Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Ole's Peace Podcast on the Fans First Sports Network. There we go. Now I'm getting to it. I don't have to take a healthy pause. You can uh, listen to this episode as well as our previous ones on your favorite podcasting platform. And with the new network, it is the same feed. So lucky for you guys, just search the Ole Speaks colon a Juventus podcast on your preferred podcasting platform, whether it is Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. If you do listen on Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave us a nice five-star rating and a review and tell our new bosses how much you enjoy the show. We've gotten some nice messages recently. And uh, if you want to follow the new network, feel free to do so at FansFirstSN on Twitter, as well as following us on Twitter at Juventus Nation, as always. So now that I've got all the plugs out of the way, let's bring in a little bit of a shorthanded crew this week of Sam LaPresti. Hello, Sam. We've got two business daddies now. Yes, that's right. That's right. Although very much not in the same capacity as the business daddy of the team that we cover on a week to week basis. No, no. If we had that business daddy, that would yes. be that would have been quite fun. <laughs> that would be <laughs> We've got Chucks. Hello, Chucks. Hey, good evening, guys. And uh yeah, Danny, I appreciate all the uh posting work you do and all the pre kind of, you know, stuff you have to say, like all the all the plugs you have to put in and all the, you know, feeds to follow and it's 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 not easy because you know all just all these long names and this uh, podcast network and that podcast feed and yeah, it's not easy, but you make it look easy. So thank you, thank you. Speaking of the new network, we uh, rolled out a new, uh, very nice podcast logo this week with uh, a certain number ten who used to play for this uh, this this team of ours. Uh, and as you may notice, there is no Sergio Romero this week. He is off buying a new car. I'm guessing uh, at the Mexico City Ferrari dealership with John Elkin. Do you guys want to take any guesses? Hey, I was going to say he was he was buying a Tesla out there. Uh, recently announced <laughs> announced a new factory that um, I think Tesla. Um, yeah, I think it was in Monterrey, but uh, I'm not sure. But of course, Teslas aren't available yet there. But hey, maybe he's got an insider track. So That's right. Who knows? Insider inside info. I would prefer that he does not end up in a car that would burst into flames. Yes, we, we we like Sergio. We don't need to or to have the or to have the steering wheel spontaneously fall off in the middle of the highway, like happened to some guy in New Jersey not too long ago. Yes. Yeah. Let, let's let's get Sergio in a car that you know is not a death trap. Yeah. Yeah. 
funny enough, I might actually be getting one soon. <laughs> so, so there you go. But uh, we digress. We digress. Yeah. Get on, a better on, EV. on that <laughs> note, on that note, do we have any takeaways this week? Obviously, we're we're sitting here when we record on the the smack dab in the middle of a, of another international break, uh, and you can always tell how how engaged people are with an international break, at least on our blog Twitter feed. when you uh, when Italy's playing and not a single soul other than the official Italy Twitter account is tweeting about said game, so Italy Malta isn't exactly uh, I guess gaining a lot of traction. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I one thing that I've I've taken from this international break so far is that if we had them, if we had any money at all over the summer, I would be screaming for Rasmus Hoyland right now. Oh. oh, I would just, I would be, oh gosh, and who knows if we if we end up losing Dusan Blavich, maybe maybe then we get him. But he, kid looks good, kid looks real good. And also, from from an Italy standpoint, this uh, this new Oriundo that uh, that has popped up to score two goals in his first two games for uh, Retegui. That's a. I mean, if we all of a sudden get a striker that will you know score goals, that'll be pretty good. Yeah, I think uh, I think I was reading an interview and Mancini was saying something about like, oh yeah, it'd be nice uh, to get more like dual citizen players and. Uh, yeah, Retegui, uh, it'll be nice if he goes to Syria and he could learn the language. I'm like, pardon? <laughs> what do you mean? He doesn't speak Italian yet? I, I mean, I know he's, I guess, Argentina born, but I, I guess I just saw the... Argentina uh, born and, and raised, from what I understand. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Spanish and Italian are close enough, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. And I, I assume he must get the gist. Yeah, yeah, I imagine. I imagine people like, you know, Di Maria and stuff, you know. I'm sure he gets what uh, Alega is saying when he's saying die, 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 and <laughs> screaming something like you know when when Allegri is screaming on hell and and the first part of on hell has like 25 A's attached to it. <laughs> yeah, I think I think he gets it there. Allegri sure would be uh, good for social media, wouldn't he? You know, he would be uh, all caps. He was on social media, then he gave it up. Oh, really? Oh. Why because, choice? Uh, Let's just say some of the things towards the end of Max Allegri 1.0, the uh, the stuff he was getting on Twitter, not so nice. Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a dangerous place to be. Social media. <laughs> That's my takeaway. So there we go. Well, uh, we we will focus uh, this week on the not the international break, but the upcoming month for Juventus, knowing that the first game conveniently starts on April Fool's Day next Saturday against Elas Verona. And uh, unfortunately, a few hours before we started recording here, we found out that uh, one of Juventus' best players, Philip Kostic, had to come up with an injury uh, or had to pull out of Serbia's Euro qualifiers because of an injury. And it, it, what uh, Achilles tendon inflammation, I believe, is the correct wording on that. And here we go again with some of Juventus's <laughs> most important players being injured. And obviously, we we already knew about Federico Chiesa and his ongoing knee troubles on Hel Di Maria before going on international duty was hadn't played in a few games. We all know about Paul Pogba at this point. So <laughs> I don't know. I guess I guess we can start here with the uh the the looming uh who knows and you know once this podcast is posted on Monday when you know Kostic undergoes his tests, how how things will look. But boy, I am not exactly inspired looking at a slate of important April games and no Philip Kostic being available, at least for some of them. Yeah, that would be rough. And it's and you got to be really careful with the Achilles tendons. Whenever I hear 
somebody say, you know, oh, Achilles tendon inflammation or, or Achilles tendonitis, I always think back to one of my favorite ball players, Ryan Howard, who played for the Philadelphia Phillies when, uh, back when we were last really, really successful when we won five, when we went to the playoffs five straight years. And in, in 2011, the final, the last of those years, he, for a couple of weeks at towards the end of the season, uh, he was being listed at on an injury report with what was being referred to as bursitis of the heel. It was not actually bursitis of the heel. Uh, his Achilles tendon gave out on the very last swing of the last game that we were playing in the playoffs when we got eliminated and he was never the same again. So you've got to be really careful with Achilles with, with, with that, with anything to do with the Achilles. Cause man, it can, it can go on you so fast. And yeah, that, that makes it really, really weird to see, you know, cause at this point it really, there really becomes a question who would play that left wing back spot. Cause I mean, frankly, the only two options that I can think of to play that spot, if if Kostic has to miss any time, are Mattia Decilio and Alexandro. <laughs> Samuel Ailing Jr. has been used there, so that's Samuel Ailing Jr. That's that, true. That's he's kind of the wild card, but he is. I mean, I don't know if Max Allegri, outside of playing Elas Verona, would really hand heavy minutes to uh, Samuel Ailing Jr., however talented he may be. It might be a case of him not really having much of a choice much like yeah you know, much like Fabio Miretti at the end of last season he resisted playing Miretti playing giving Miretti significant minutes up until the very end when you know when he couldn't even move Danilo into midfield because Danilo was hurt like so that you know that you're right that could be although I I I get more of a of an of a pure winger feeling out of Samuel Lung Jr. but that's just you know obviously if he you know, if he has to play there, he should. But yeah, I, I, it's, it's gonna be, it's gonna be a real blow. I mean, he's, he's got the most. I think he's got the most assists on uh, that Juventus have had in a single season since that one year. I think it was it was it the Saudi year or the year before that when Quadrado had like ten or eleven. And, and Dusan Blavid must be must be rolling his eyes right now. Just going, yeah. he's already got no service now. If Gostic <laughs> isn't there. Yeah, it, it's it, because there are just going to be so many games in April. I was, you know, looking at the at the schedule right now. That's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine games from April first to April thirty first to April April thirty first. There is no mass um, to April thirtieth, and there's some pretty you know. These are going to be some pretty taxing games too. You know, obviously you've got two legs against Sporting, you've got two legs against Inter in the Coppa Italia, you've got Lazio, you've got Napoli. You know, these are games that are going to be, you know, and, and I could, of course I could see Juve, I could see Juve punting the Napoli game because uh, the Napoli game is scheduled to be in between the second leg against Sporting and the second leg against Inter. So I could totally see that game just getting punted on even at home, but heck for all we know, Napoli could have the title wrapped by then. Mm, <laughs> but, seriously. But yeah, there's, there's so much to do in April and you know, you've got to have your guys because if you don't have enough guys to rest, these guys are just going to be running on fumes by the end of, of April. It's a good, the good thing I guess is uh, Arkadiusz Milik is supposed to be back early on in the month. Correct. Yes. 
that that's a that's a big boost. But you know, you've you've just got to in a situation like this, it is so important to be able to rotate guys and give guys adequate rest. And right now, we that, that that's going to be a big challenge for for Allegri coming up because there don't seem to be enough healthy midfielders to to enact that or healthy midfielders that are not Leandro Paredes that uh, <laughs> that can do that. And there don't seem to be enough forwards to be able to do that. So yeah, it, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be a test. Yeah, like you said, Sam. I mean, the wild card option is Samuel Ealing Jr. on the left left wing back position, and like you also said, I mean, I imagine that he, you know, like he wouldn't uh, would would be reluctant to play such a wild card option. Yeah, especially with a young with a youngster like that, and given that it's probably not his like real real position as a left wing back. I mean, he looks like more of a left winger, just you know. Out and out it's winger. Really well for the England under twenties. Yeah. His- so um, yes, I mean I doubt that. I mean, however, if he's going to play a wild card option like that, it probably would be against Hellas Verona. You know, the lowest risk game. And if he does well against Hellas Verona, then maybe he'll get more. Yeah, yeah. And and it's this is again one of those one of those situations that's just like the difference in Allegri between you know his first tenure and, and now, and, and the difference in the way that he acts, you know, you, the, the second leg of the champions league tie against Atletico with the, with the big comeback, you know, obviously you had Ronaldo with the hat trick, you had Bernardeschi play the game of his life. The other thing that, uh, that, that is often buried in there is that that was Leonardo Spinazzola's Juventus debut playing left back that game. And he had a game and then, we proceeded to completely bungle the fact that we had who would the guy that would eventually be the best left back in the league. But you mean it's not Luca Pellegrini? <laughs> you know, he, he used to be able to do this. He used to do this. You know, he, you remember he gave Rodrigo Bentancourt his first start at Camp Nou. You know, he he's done this, but now he won't. And it's an it's another fact of of him just getting more and more conservative as the years go by when you have a guy that can do it, but you won't do it just because of the number next to his birthday. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it's funny that we're saying this and then, you know, Tuto sport a couple of days ago came out with the numbers where Juventus by a rather healthy margin has played the most under 20 or has given uh, the most minutes to under, tw- you know, players 23 years old or younger. And obviously a lot of that has to do with basically what Moise Keen, because remember he's he's still pretty young. Yeah. Uh, Nicolo Fagioli and Fabio Moretti, those three guys really have have played the most amount of minutes. But Vlavich? Uh, how old is Vlavic? Vlavic is, I think he just turned twenty four. So I mean, it, it's funny that we're saying this, and then all of you know, all of a sudden it's like, well, does Max go with uh, go with a teenager? Or... No, he's still twenty three. Oh, is he? Okay, I thought he was year old. Sorry. Yeah, he just turned he turned twenty three in January. My apologies, Dusan. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just it's just funny that we're sitting here knowing that there are so many guys who are young players who have gotten gotten and I know obviously a lot of people are kind of split on the you know where does Juventus fall do they you know should they be a team that's very much developing players or you know playing players that are more f- finished products but anyway it, it's it feels like this is a situation if Kostic is out for any significant amount of time where it's really do you go with 
somebody who's probably not the best option because they're more experienced? Or do you play somebody like Illing Jr. out wide and just, you know, give put some faith in him for a couple of games and, and see what happens? Yeah, like I said, I mean, I think if he's going to do any kind of wild option or, you know, unexpected lineup, then it would be against Verona. But even that, I mean, uh, there's another option that we didn't even consider, which, I mean, might be as unlikely as playing uh, Ealing Jr. in that left wing back uh, position, which Drum roll, is, please. <laughs> which is to just um, change formation. No, uh, no, 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 no. That's crazy talk. That's crazy talk. <laughs> no, get out of here. Get out of here. Are you crazy? Are you crazy? Come on, that, get that, out of here. That begs the question, what formation would we change to, though? Uh, I imagine 4-3-3. Yeah, but you need Kostic for that, too. You need winners for it. Well, no, I was going to say then play Di Maria, because, I mean, I guess Di Maria is Maria and, and who? I, I suppose Chiesa. I thought Chiesa was... That, well, yeah, but Chiesa's health is... Chiesa's health right now is is up in the air at best. Yeah. It sounds like he is very much going to be joining Philip Kostic at J-Medical within the uh, next day or two. So Yeah, it's... I mean that it's it's tendonitis in his knee. They said right, which that that requires rest and and rehab as well. Yes, I I can speak for somebody who had, who has had tendonitis in their knee. And sorry, couch, but it is a pain in the. F- <sighs> or in the knee, is it? Aha! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean that tendonitis is very much something that lingers. And uh, like Sam said, unless you want it to go away fully, Kiz is either probably going to have to try and you know, grit his teeth through it for the last couple of months of their season, or, you know, really take more time off. And unfortunately for him, it just seems like once he's, you know, these last few comebacks after these minor injuries, once he's really kind of ramping things up a little bit, something like this happens. And I don't know, that's just, you know, now that we're a couple of, of setbacks in for him after he's made his comeback, I mean, I, I feel like the best thing for him might just be the summer where he can really just, have some normal rest and try and get his knee, his knees right. Because that's, you know, these minor things are just popping up. It seems like more and more frequently as, as it's gone on. normal for a recovery from a, an ACL injury too, because, you know, you've got a, it, it takes a while for your body to get to back to normal and it starts compensating and other things go wrong. It's just a matter of, yeah, his, his body just kind of normalizing and, and, and him getting that confidence again. But, it really, it's you know, it's it's a totally different situation from a guy like, say, from from Pogba, who just like brought this whole thing down on himself the way that he he chose to deal with his injury. It's just a, it's just unfortunate, and he just has to keep on. Yeah, I, I mean that that, but the thing is, he's not going to want to, you know, he's going to want to, you know, this is a guy who just went over to the ultras in in Freiburg the other day and apologized to them after he scored a goal for not being on the field more. Like he wants, he wants to get on there. So it, it's, you know, it, it's going to be interesting to see how he's, he's handled for the rest of the year. You know, maybe just call him, you know, give him super sub minutes until he can fully rest it next year. Yeah. And come back ready to, to be a starter. Yeah. I mean, I, I think if, if the last couple of months with Kiesa has, has taught us anything is that expecting anything more than a, basically a substitute role for him this season is is probably being a little too optimistic because you don't risk things with that kind of player no matter how much you want him on the field 
you need to do what's best for him and his long-term future. Because if you try and push it now, there might not be a Federico Chiesa at Juventus in a couple of years. Yeah. Or if there is one, it's going to be one that is an entirely different guy than what we thought. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I guess I was a little too optimistic with Chiesa, but I mean, as a potential 4-3-3, I mean, with Di Maria and indeed perhaps Sule, I mean, at least he's, you know, he's relatively familiar with the first team. He's not, you know, completely new and deserves uh, a lot more first two minutes after he's, he's certainly shown it the last couple of games. Yeah. Yeah. And I think a game again, a game against, um, Hellas Verona would be a good, good time to try that out. And yeah, to, you know, just see how that goes again in, in a four, three, three, uh, perhaps even Di Maria and Cuadrado on the other wing. I mean, you know, it's, there's some potential options there, but that would again, be a short term fix. I think most likely indeed would be the three, five, two, just yeah. As a kind of solution there. And yeah, I mean, we talked about the riskiest options, I guess, or the most surprising options, maybe with, you know, Ealing Jr. or, you know, perhaps a 4-3-3. But I guess the most, uh, well, what I see as the most conservative option would be, uh, as you mentioned, Sam, uh, Mattia Di Cilio just on the left. Yeah, to play there on the left and whoever else on the right, of course. Sergio has joined the Zoom. Oh, no. Oh man, yeah, he has a word. He has a word. He has a bone to pick. <laughs> um, but yeah, yeah, or just Alexandro. Which I mean, obviously, if Alexandro plays on that in that position, then perhaps Gatti would take up you know that third center back spot again. And yeah, Gatti, Raymond, Danilo. Then again, After the last the, two games, I wouldn't mind that particularly. Yeah, yeah, which would be a good way to kind of carry on that momentum. So at least there are some, you know, not too bad options available to Allegri. Yeah, not, not options that, you know, completely destroy the uh, chemistry of the team or just the makeup of the team. But, I mean, obviously it's a huge blow and, you know, it still is a minus, you know, for the team, of course. But at least at least we've been in worse positions, let's say. Yeah. Uh, uh, Fagioli, I think, he, he got injured against Inter. I don't even think that he trained with the Italy under-23s. I don't know. <laughs> with the Italy under-21s. I think he, like, headed over there, got looked at, and then came back. So like it, it's there's all sorts of of just everybody's just feeling rough right now. It's kind of like we talked about off air, uh, uh, Sam. Just the yeah, just the extreme workload yeah. on on players these days, and just yeah, I mean, you know, nine games in thirty days. I mean, that's usually I think like my rule of thumb has always been just throughout the time I followed football is that what one game a week basically, right? I mean, usually one, and then occasional kind of. Extra game. Now you got like the Champions League group stage, but like, you know, it was, you know, like usually there was, you know, it used to be that there was, you know, you had, you had the league, you had Europe and yeah, you'd have the Copa if you made a long Copa run, but there would be some time in between like a week, you know, there would be a a throw a week in there where you just didn't have a midweek commitment. Whereas, you know, here it's just like, there is, there is no stop. There is a game every three to four days. Yeah, they just they just did a game every three to four days for two and a half months. Straight yeah. I think the, the longest stretch without a game is five days between the game against Lazio and the game against Sporting. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the biggest gap. This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? 
It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. I think in general, I mean, I know Fief Pro, they always, you know, they obviously, their purpose is to look out for the well-being of the players. And I mean, I think they talk about, you know, a minimum of five days recovery time, just in general, just, you know, any time throughout the season, um, you know, yeah, minimum of five, five days. And here, here we have the exception being like a, what a once where they have five days off and then for the rest three to four days. So, you know, uh, and again, I mean, FIFA pro have expressed many times throughout the last few years, just their, uh, yeah, their irritation or just anger and disappointment, whatever negative feeling you want to say just at the, uh, workload that there is on players and at, you know, at the top five European leagues, and just the lack of uh, interest in players' health and well-being. And yeah, I mean, we're seeing it, you know, more and more. Uh, we're seeing just the, the consequences of this uh, more and more. Yeah, I mean, we've, we've been saying it ever since, basically, the games restarted again after lockdown in Italy. The schedule has just been nothing close to a normal schedule. And I mean, as you guys were talking about kind of how the schedule wasn't so crammed in years past, you know, thinking kind of, oh, back in my day, but not necessarily. <laughs> I'm, I don't think I'm old enough to go back in my day just yet. But, you know, that there was there was a rhythm to the season. There wasn't, say, you know, you play for two and a half, three months, and then there's a 45-day World Cup break. And then all of a sudden, you're playing for two and a half months straight again. And then you go out on an international break. And now, you know, you've, like we just said, Juventus has a month of April where there's nine games in it. And it's just, it's it's unrelenting. And I mean, we, we've said it before and we're going to say it again. How these guys are going to be able to walk in a few weeks is going to be remarkable because, I mean, you look at just the names that Juventus has out and who knows what the injury situation is going to be like in a couple of weeks. But there's there's not a whole lot of depth in some of the most important areas on this team. And even if we look at it, you know, Alexandro, he's been out injured. Who knows if he's going to be back right away after the international break or if he's going to be out another game or two. It's not like Juventus had a lot of center back depth to begin with. And when you're playing a 3-5-2, you know, we like we said, two of Juventus's three starting center backs, they're actually fullbacks. So this team is not necessarily constructed well to begin with. And then you throw in a few injuries and you kind of feel like when it comes to depth, all hell breaks loose. And the funny thing, even with Sandro, is that, you know, we were talking about, and I mean, I know you you uh, wrote something about this just recently, Danny, about his contract situation and about that clause of, you know, X number of appearances and all that. And I mean, I remember, I think I said, like, you know, I mean, I was relatively indifferent to it. And I thought, well, OK, if he if he doesn't hit that contract, you know, that 
X number of contracts to trigger that extension. Oh, well, you know, I, I, I didn't expect it to happen. Frankly, I didn't think he would actually play, you know, enough games, but it, just based on the last month and a half or so, it, it, I mean, he's been a nailed on starter. So I guess that's a surprising turn for me anyway. I, I didn't think I thought this would likely be his last season at the club. And well, now it looks pretty likely that it won't be. So, you know, there's a, yeah, kind of a surprising turn of events too. Yeah, that that has to be a Max Allegri-driven decision if that report that we we wrote about earlier on on the website comes to fruition about Alexandro staying a, another year at Juventus no matter what his appearance clause is. Yeah, I feel like Max Allegri has about 99.9% of the influence on that. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. He couldn't get them to buy him a Tricuartista when he first arrived, but now he can get them to... <laughs> now he's keeping now he wants to keep all the Brazilians over 30 around. But yeah, it's it it's uh and any and there's no no ability to recall Andrea Cambia, so is there? Not that I know. Not not in April, unfortunately. Not in April, I know. I know. When it, when it comes to needing a a you know, it, like we've been saying, if Kostic is out for you know, a couple of weeks. It, it sure would be nice to have somebody who is very much uh, naturally a fit to play as a left wing back. Because as much as we just were talking about Max Allegri potentially switching formations to accommodate the players he actually does have available, he has shown over what these last four or five months of the season that switching formations away from the three five two isn't necessarily something that he's going to do. Yeah, or at least switching away from the three man back line. I should say because. There have been some some tweaks to it. Yeah, there have been some variations within the three man back line framework, but and that's another ironic thing when you think about how often the formations used to change under Allegri. And you know, it used to be that you never finished the season with the same primary formation that you did, that you had at the start, and now here he is just going all. You know, he's 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 been so stubborn about that when a change might not necessarily be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, we were sitting here, what, about a year or so ago, thinking, God, if only Max could move away from the 4-4-2 with Adrian Rabiel playing out wide. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of back in my day, huh? About the only good thing about that 4-4-2 was the, was the partnership up top because you had... You know, and there's this was very interesting. This was actually on on Football Italia of all places. There, there's this little think piece on the the difference that Vlaovic has between the Serbian national team and and Juve. Why Dusan Vlaovic can't score for Juventus anymore? Yeah, pretty much. Um, well, because <laughs> well, uh, it was was it yesterday that he just scored his first goal from open play for club or country in like a month. But one of the the differences that they highlighted, apart from, you know, the Serbia's coach being far more attack minded than than Allegri, is that Vlaovic always plays in a in a straight strike partnership with with Alexander Mitrovic when he plays for Serbia, and that was something last year that you know even you know what it was he was not at his most overwhelming the second half of last year, but when he was partnering with Dybala and with with Morata, you know, he looked better. And there actually are numbers that he's actually has better numbers this year when he's is up front with Moise Kane than anybody else. And and he's better with 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 Kane and with Milik partnering him up top than anything else. So that that's just a 
you know, that's a really interesting, I wouldn't necessarily, you know, when, when they get back, you know, maybe you wrinkle that into a three, four, one, two, or something of that nature. You're asking a lot of Allegri there. <laughs> don't, don't talk crazy now. You're asking a lot of him there. But yeah. And, and but it, it, that again goes to show that, you know, Allegri won't make an adjustment to benefit even his best players. You know, the player has to sacrifice, you know, his, and, and that is, if that's not the most old, it's old school Italian attitude that the player has to sacrifice himself and, and, and potentially what he does best for the manager's ideas, as opposed to the manager looking at what he has and saying, holy crap, it's time for me to unlock this dude. You want one re if you want one reason why I'm not necessarily in favor of keeping him around. You're not. <laughs> Sorry, couldn't help it. <laughs> Continue, sir. No, that was it. No, no, that was it. <laughs> you, hit me at, you hit me at the right side. You, you hit me just at my stopping point. <laughs> oh, oh hey, good, the crescendo. Good, that's right. Yes. Good timing on my part. Well, we, we've been looking. We mentioned at the beginning of this month of April, and obviously it starts out with a, a very much a winnable game. But, I mean, just looking at this five-game stretch, after Elas and before Napoli, you know, first leg against Inter, Lazio at the Stadio Olimpico, no, no less. And then you've got the first leg against Sporting. You've got Sassuolo thrown in there. Sassuolo always seems to give Juventus trouble no matter where they are in the table. And then the second leg against Sporting. And don't forget that there is very much a very, very important appeal to be heard over the course of that. Uh, that would come down... That's the nineteenth, so it'll be yeah. the day that would come down the day before the sport. Now that that's the hearing, not the ruling, correct? Uh well, if it's anything like what we we saw a few months ago, there might be stuff happening on the same day. That's true. Um, so, yeah, I think it's yeah. They said uh, the nineteenth, right? So that would be the day before the second leg against Sporting. Yeah. So, man, I mean, this is really. Yeah, I know. You know we were basically saying Juventus essentially has two two spots on the table where they currently are and then where they could be in second place if you put the 15 points back. But man, this is very much in terms of winning a trophy this season. I mean, it comes down to four of those five games, basically. Yep. Yeah, and I would argue even looking even further ahead than that or just through the entire calendar from now till the end of the season, I mean, I would argue that we really only have three easy games from now till the end of the season. Verona at home. Lecce at home and Cremonese at home. Rest, honestly, I mean, Empoli away can be tricky as well, you know. Um, I mean, this is looking way ahead, obviously. But, yeah, I mean, I look at the schedule, I'm like, there really aren't any, except for those three games, I mean, I would say that really aren't any easy games left. Yeah, and then you'd have a potential Coppa Italia final thrown in there. You'd have any yeah. more Europa League games thrown in there if Juventus is, you know, they're able to get past sporting. So, I mean. Yeah, the schedule from here on out, really. I mean, just like we said, there's there's not the second game against Napoli still to come. There is a Coppa Italia final. There is Atalanta the the first weekend in May. There is AC Milan the second to last week of the season. There's no essentially there's no room really to breathe, and that's before we factor into how fatigued some of these guys might be come those last weeks of of april and may when like we said you know they say nothing of the fact that if we do if we do get into the semifinals of the europa league that's either manchester united or sevilla 
<laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Which I would think would be Manchester United, knowing how Sevilla is going this year. But who yeah. knows? Yeah. yeah but Sevilla likewise. always does weird <laughs> in this tournament. <laughs> they do, but they're also potentially getting relegated. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. I mean, that's a that that's the wild thing is like we we talk about Juventus's points penalty and you know are they going to be fighting for a, a spot in Europe or are they going to be in second place? Sevilla is very much going to be trying to stay alive in the Europa League and also trying not to get relegated. That's yeah, just wild to think about. That's knocking futs, man. Hey, they might uh, they might be in a Champions League next year and then playing in the second division. <laughs> that's something <laughs> that we first. Yeah, and something that we entertained about Juventus a few weeks ago. How about yeah, that? Job? Yeah, we sure did. <laughs> we sure did. Yeah. Oh man. Yeah, it's wild. Any lasting thoughts on what or any anything else we want to say about what is uh, obviously going to be a busy busy time for uh, Juventus, but also a busy time for us on the website covering all of these games in a very short oh, amount of time. I'm, I'm not going to sleep for weeks. Um, no. <laughs> You're acting like you sleep much to begin with, sir. That's very true. But the, uh, I mean, the thing to me is the best way to attack this month, you've got two two-legged ties in here. You've got to just go for the throat in the first leg in both of those games and make the second leg easy. Make the second leg a game that you can kind of put on cruise control or a game that you can, you can, control the control the second leg kind of the way that with that they did against Freiburg and both of the first legs are in turn correct I believe so yeah, yes they are so, so this is very much a situation that we've we've seen Juventus in over the last few weeks yeah so I, I think that if you can perform well enough in the first leg of these two ties to be able to conserve some energy in the second that is, and obviously that is easier said than done because you've got two good opponents, you know, enter for all of their problems right now. They are, they are, they've got a heck of a lot of quality on paper Yeah, and sporting one of the best sides left in the Europa League. And I would just add that I, I would think Inter is probably more suited for two-legged knockout ties these days compared to how they've fared in the league. Yeah, just looking at how they've done, obviously Copa Italia and Champions League. Yeah, but if you if you want to have any chance of of minimizing the energy expenditure there, you've got to go out in the first leg and just uh, and put a stamp on it and say, now this is mine, and so that so that you can kind of you know control the second leg with with a with a minimum of energy expenditure, so that you can kind of keep the energy level relatively high throughout the rest of the month. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah. Let's not forget that our, our direct competitors are also going to be in, you know, a lot of games and a lot of, in a little amount of time. Uh, Milan and, well, Milan is obviously still in Champions League as well. Not in the Copa, but, you know, still in the Champions League. Um, Inter, obviously still in the Champions League and obviously in the Copa against us. Napoli really have it the easiest, obviously, because, you know, basically won the league already. So, yeah, Roma still in the Europa League and in obviously still fighting for top four. So, yeah, I mean, everybody's going to have it tough. So at least, you know. Sporting actually is out of both of their domestic cups. Oh, they have two. Gosh. Um, yeah, they've got a they've got a league <laughs> cup. Uh, yeah, they're 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 like England and Spain, but they've they actually got knocked out of the Portuguese, the Taça de Portugal. They got knocked out in the very first round that they were that they entered in. 
And um, I think to a team that might be, I think to a lower division team. Yeah. And then uh, they made it to the final of their, the, the Portuguese equivalent of the League Cup and lost to Sporting. Uh, or no, and so they are Sporting and lost to Porto. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they lost to themselves. <laughs> lost to themselves. But yeah, so they, they they have less of a domestic workload to to deal with than we do, unfortunately. So knowing knowing that the Copa Italia is midweek next week, are are we all going to be uh, sitting here oh, a few days from now on April first before Juventus plays against Elas Verona, going uh, for Safiola, knowing who Inter plays? <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna yeah. be here, but <laughs> I mean, it, it, you look at it, and that is very much the more difficult fixture of the two. So here's oh, yeah. to hoping that Fiorentina gives Inter one hell of a day. Is uh, and Fiorentina st- still in the Conference League as well? Actually. Yeah, and they're they're and playing also, and also they play Cremonese yeah. uh, in in the mid in midweek as well. Yeah, and Fiorentina playing much much better of late. I, I yeah, feel like at least. At least when it comes to them scoring a lot more goals than they had been, so that's based on Tito's tweets. It's just ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, never never pass up never pass up an opportunity to get the Viola Nation Twitter feed mentioned. There, there's no, I mean, it's there, there there you know there's there's been a whole lot of is this real life coming out of the Viola Nation Twitter account right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So uh, we have a we have a lack of uh, Twitter questions this week. So uh, I will I will throw out one final Twitter question from myself uh, for for you two gentlemen. Uh, knowing what happened about an hour or two before we hit record here, uh, who's who's all in for uh, Antonio Conte coming back to Juventus? Oh man, that was, that was like that diabolical question at the end of a movie. <laughs> that that's gonna be. I mean, if it happens, the, the reason I don't see it actually happening is between the amount of money you would have, the amount of dead money you'd be paying, exactly. and the amount of money you'd be paying Conte to coach, that's a whole lot of money that Juventus probably doesn't have right now. And knowing full well that you'd have to get a new manager in a couple of years anyway. Probably. But at the same time, you know, we've all, all, all often talked about the problems with the team as being a, uh, you know, as being an attitude thing, as being a, a, a mentality thing, you know, and that mentality that that the team held through the majority of the streak, that was Conte's doing. That was that was the lasting legacy of Antonio Conte was that was the way that we looked at the, as, at the mental side of the game. So if there's any reason to bring him back, it is that I just don't see financial realism in in how we i wouldn't mind it i'll be perfectly honest i wouldn't mind it but financially it just it it makes no sense yeah for me it's a complete non-starter um because i just don't like the way conte has burned through clubs and i mean burned bridges with clubs the way he's left like inter and spurs now it just you know i, I put a lot of value in just how, like how you you know, both in just professional what general. wrong about what he said about Spurs? Yeah, well, yeah, sure. I mean, Spurs are an infuriating club, of course, but... It's the history of the Tottenhams. Yeah, indeed. But um, just in my personal life and professional life and all that as well, I mean, I place a lot of value in, like, how you leave, you know, an employer and, like, how you, you know, 
conduct yourself <laughs> when you're on the way out. And I don't know, just the way, like, yeah, again, the way he obviously basically got sacked. I mean, mutual consent is the official statement, but I suppose it's it was basically being sacked. Yeah. No, no, knowing knowing how things <laughs> went in that press conference, that was very much saying, "Hey, Tony, your your contract is up in a couple of months anyway. Just oh, yeah. go ahead and and and, yeah. and leave a little early." Yeah. yeah. So you know the way he's left there, and then again the way he left Inter as well, and it just I don't really the way he left. I just, Juventus. Don't, I just don't really like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. The way he's left his last three clubs, it's just I don't. It's it's followed kind of a similar pattern. I, I mean, at Inter, he was you know very successful in the first in the first season, and then you know they got all. I mean, they got angry, or he got angry with them regarding the transfer window, which hey, hey that happened with us too. And then um, with Spurs, he was well, okay, not super successful but i mean had kind of that honeymoon period in the beginning and then goes downhill again and you know then they get into a fight again all this time publicly so i i I don't yeah i just don't i'm not really feeling that i don't yeah i don't really like that pattern of behavior that said i will sympathize with him in the sense that i know that his that his family still lives in milan i guess or in italy anyway and that he like would try and commute between Italy and England to see his family. So, you know, I, I mean, that's obviously just difficult and, you know, I sympathize on a human level with that. So in that sense, it would be much easier for him to come back to Italy and coach an Italian club and be closer to his family. Uh, But no, I, I really would, I would rather not, rather not have him return. Remember the player that he left over the player that we didn't get. Uh, it was Wani Torbe. Torbe, oh, oh <laughs> That's right. Oh, my God. Oh, man. Wow, you have the a good art- memory. The man. articles we we committed to Wani Turby in what? Two, what was that? 2013? Uh, 2014. 2014. God. Way too many words on Wani Turbe. It was with Hellas Verona, and then he went to Roma. Flop oh, there. Wow. He is currently with a team in the. He's he's been. God, he's been so. He went. To, you know, they had a had a loan on Born. He had a loan to Bournemouth. Oh, man, Bournemouth. He had a, uh, he had a loan for Torino. He went to he went to two different clubs in the Mexican league. Uh, and now he's in Greece. Yep. Maybe Sergio saw him play when he was at his uh, Puebla. <laughs> Big, because he was at, he was at uh, Tijuana and Pumas. Wow. And. Where where in Greece is he? Because uh, that doesn't sound like a bad place to live. Yeah. He is at a a club called Aris Thessaloniki, which is in yeah, which is in um, Thessalonica. Yeah, Thessaloniki in Macedonia. Yeah. Well, uh, here here is my James Horncastle reference for the week. He tweeted out a few hours ago. Not sure where Conte Land's left situation has walked. He walked out at Inter. Hasn't changed. Milan couldn't be set up more differently from what he expects. Juve presumably still can't eat at the famous 100 euro ahead restaurant, and Roma is on a strict FFP diet. So, I mean, it, it, you kind of kind of get the sense that it's, uh, what, maybe PSG or Italian national team in a few years when Machini's contract is over. Who knows? Or Real Madrid. <laughs> when uh, Which, I mean, I know Real Madrid. Supposedly, there's no Sergio Ramos to veto him now over there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, I know they're looking at uh, Julian Nagelsmann, but I don't know. There's, I know there's a merry-go-round of coaches kind of going there, but yeah, yeah. Who knows? I mean, I don't know. He's in a strange place in his career. Again, it's like 
yeah, top clubs. Yeah, PSG, really. That's the only one I can think of. And yeah, PSG or Real Madrid as a, you know, wild card. But yeah, he's, he's kind of, I don't know, he's kind of damaged goods, man. You know, he's just, like I said, the way he's just left clubs, he's, yeah. yeah he's very, damaged he's goods. a very, very good coach. But yeah, it's just. He is again, but it's just like, again, if I were like a, a chairman or a president, it's it's just this sense of like, okay, is he going to explode on me when things don't go well? Or like, yeah, it's like how gonna, much, you know, how much you want to put up for and for what you basically now that he's been at a few places, what you basically widely assume is going to be at most what three years yeah and and you know it's it's such a cliche but it's uh, it's very true that you can really judge a person's character and resilience by how they respond to adversity rather than good times and yeah i feel like conte just hasn't really responded very well to uh bad times at his respective last three clubs or last four three three clubs so yeah i would be very reluctant about that yeah he either responds with tearful youtube videos or outbursts at press conferences i mean it was a great interview i mean i'll say for real it was, well it was great <laughs> very especially, entertaining especially knowing that we had no rooting interest in it yeah i'm guessing yeah. a few of my fans who root for tottenham felt a little differently but you know hey that that's their fault for rooting for tottenham i guess i mean english is his second language and he he, he said very well you know he spoke yeah. very a lot better since the chelsea days yeah yeah, yeah. oh yeah chelsea too yeah gosh forgot yeah. about that right yeah didn't yeah. stay there long either yeah, yeah, again, yeah, you kind of have didn't, didn't leave in, on good terms there either. Yeah, yeah, so that's, yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, I just that's wouldn't. what, four places? Wanna, yeah, I just wouldn't want to, yeah, I wouldn't want to go close to that. That's just, that's just me. Yep. Well, I, I'm, I have a feeling that uh, there are a few people who share that, uh, that line of thinking there, sir. Yep. Yep. I hope, because I am all, all knowing and all. <laughs> and, that's right. No, no, no. All I'm right, so well, let, let's wrap, let's wrap it all up wrap it up on chucks gassing himself up so thank you all for <laughs> yes. listening we always appreciate it uh if you want to listen to us feel free to do so on your favorite podcasting platform whether it is apple Podcasts, spotify or google Podcasts. if you do listen on apple Podcasts or spotify feel free to let our new podcasting network know how much you enjoy the show uh leave us with a five-star review rating or review you can follow our new Fans First Sports Network on Twitter at Fans First SN. You can follow us on Twitter at Juventus Nation. Same search tool as always for all social media as I try and get a new closing down. Not as smooth as uh, the opening there, Chucks, but we're trying here. Uh, So for Sam, for Chucks, for Sergio, and for producer Couch, this is Danny saying thank you very very much for listening, and we'll talk to you guys with games again next week. 